Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I am Brad. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate that. Are you feeling strong today? You know, I ask because sometimes I'll have coffee, you know, that's maybe an espresso or maybe just a really powerful bowl cup of coffee. And I feel like I can throw a car over a mountain, you know, just pick it up and hoist it. And I thought just, you know, I'm getting crazy in my old age. But as it turns out, there's reasons that we feel that way. A recent uh, study was published, and it revealed that adults with higher intake of coffee were less frail and had better physical function later in life. They say the average person drinks about three cups of coffee a day, eight ounce, which to me, those are rookie numbers. So don't feel bad about having that fourth, fifth cup. You know, you're probably younger than me and uh, drink up because it's good for you. It'll, it'll keep you strong in your old age. So my house has been taken over by Taylor Swift. Uh, at first it was my daughter. Um, she got infected with the Swifty bug and then it, it spread to my wife. And I'm not a Taylor hater by any means. I know a lot of people are. But, you know, I'm not exactly like a, you know, full-on Swifty either. I, I appreciate her work ethic, her vision. Uh, she knows what she's doing. I may or may not have seen the Eras movie. Um, but it's gotten a bit much here at the house. You know, and I, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. My my wife and my daughter love singing along with the songs, keeping up with all the Easter eggs that she puts in the albums. Like, that is so cool that they get to do that. I, I like being an observer kind of on the outside seeing it. I feel like a an archaeologist studying, like, another culture and learning about all of their ways. But it gets a little much... Um, pop music just, it doesn't really do it for me. I mean, I i like pop music. Let me just kind of qualify that a bit. But I like it in small doses, you know. Um, for me, I like my music a little bit more abstract, maybe a little bit more raw and rough around the edges. Um, so after hearing hours upon hours of Taylor's music, I... I, I I needed something else, something to counterbalance that that sugary pop, right? And I, I looked at my, you know, list of potential artists that would fill this niche. And, you know, Tool doesn't really have a new album out. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age, I feel like I've been down that road before, as great as they are. Uh, Mars Volta was not really you know, doing anything new. And as luck would have it, uh, Spotify let me know that King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard have a new album. And if you're not familiar with this band, they are a psych rock uh, album-oriented uh, artist from uh, Australia. And they have a wide range of uh, in their catalog. I had sort of peeked into their world a bit uh, during the uh, 2017 
and I was really blown away. I got turned on to them by uh, Anthony Fantano, the internet's busiest music nerd. You know, he told me about them, and I had to go check them out just based on the name alone. I mean, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. How can you not go and check out a band with that incredible of a name? And they live up to the name. Um, but yeah, when I first heard them, I'm like, these guys are awesome. Uh, but I, I didn't do a deep dive into their discography at the time. And after doing so, I realized they are so much greater than I originally thought they were. And I kind of love that when it happens with a band. Like, I, I see them from sort of like a peripheral, from the nosebleed section. And I'm like, yeah, those guys are cool. I like what they're doing. And then later you go back and, and you really uncover it and you discover a whole new world. Um, just for uh, reference sake here, I, I want to give you a breakdown of like how this band approaches albums. They have released 26 studio albums since 2010. In 2017, they released five albums. And these range from like jazz rock to, you know, semi-acoustic ballads. Uh, there's sci-fi prog rock going on. It's, it's a kaleidoscope of sounds. They've even got some, you know, thrash metal and doom metal in there. And they do all these very out-of-the-box type, you know, time signatures. And even with their tunings, they, they do like microtonal songs, which are sort of notes in between the regular 12-note uh, scales that we use here in the West. And their instrumentation, too, is, is incredible. I mean, they've got... They started off with seven members. I think they're down to six now. But all of these guys are multi-instrumentalist. So they have this wide array of sounds to choose from. And boy, do they do it, you know? <laughs> Despite all of these, you know, rapid-paced album releases, for me, the quality never suffers. I mean, I do like some albums more than others, but I never feel like it's just a filler album. Um, and, you know, when I was... Just coming into the to the Giz, I'm just going to call him King Gizzard from now on, but when I first listened to their first uh, album that I heard anyway, um, I just kind of thought that uh, the lyrics were maybe random, you know, and it wasn't until I really dug in and started, you know, listening to album after album over the last couple of months that I've realized there are some distinct connections Um they have like this, you know how some bands have con concept albums? Well, these guys have a concept discography. I mean, it's uh, meanings that connect throughout multiple albums. And it, they just have like this shared storyline and universe. And the band has basically, you know, acknowledged this, you know, to, and according to them. It all takes place in its own universe, but the universes are parallel to each other. And the band has also claimed that they've decided how the story ends. You know, on their last album, they, they know how it's going to, to come to a close. 
Hopefully that is not for many years down the road. Um, but these are just a few of the standout albums for me. Um, the one that the fans say is a good starting point would be I'm In Your Mind Fuzz. And this one is, it came along as I think their fifth album. And basically what it does is kind of meld in all of the sounds that they were starting off with. You know, they were a garage surf rock band uh, from the onset. But I'm In Your Mind Fuzz is one that you could tell they've been playing together live for a long time. And their sound just kind of melds into this nice, like, uh, you could just tell they, they read each other's minds musically because their tempos will change. And for six, seven people to be able to do that, to sound so tight and change melodies, or I'm sorry, change um, uh, tempo is nothing short of uh, impressive. Um, the one that really hooked me in, though, for me, was Nonagon Infinity. And um, this album is kind of like one continuous song. It's got like eight or nine tracks, and they all just kind of flow together, sort of like Pink Floyd's um, Dark Side of the Moon. I'm sure you're familiar with that, like where one song sort of passes the baton off to the other. And it's really cool to listen to, because if you put it on you know, repeat... It takes you back to the first track almost, well, not almost, it's just flawless. It just hooks right back into the first track and you start all over, which kind of ties into the uh, the infinity part of the title of that album. Um, Murder of the Universe came after that, I believe. And that one is a sort of a doom metal <laughs> album that is very dark. It talks a lot about monsters and you know, environmental calamities. And um, it, it was also the first time I noticed a character that recurs a lot in their, their music, a character called uh, Hantiyumi, which is an anagram for humanity. I think that's brilliant. But uh, there's a song called Digital Black where Hantiyumi is the last human that's been born. And it's before he merges with the digital world, sort of like the uh, transhumanism that we hear about, where we'll be able to upload our consciousness and um, be immortal, essentially. So as soon as he does this, though, he starts to have regrets. And in Digital Black, he kind of longs for the time where he was a human doing physical things in the world. And I can kind of relate to this because... I, I grew up, you know, before internet, before home computers were really popular like they are now. And if I fast forward from my simple childhood playing with sticks to now where everything essentially is on a computer, I rarely even have a in-person conversation anymore. It's all done through text, not even phone calls, which are fine. It's, it's awesome. You're able to communicate with people all over the world, but it does remove something right um and this digital black is just kind of a um a lament to simpler times where we weren't so connected to uh, our devices and through digital media um it's it's definitely worth a listen it is harsh 
I, I will say that. But if you're into that kind of thing, if you like uh, thrash and doom uh, metal, this is right in your wheelhouse. You're going to like this. And if when I thought that Murder of the Universe was a hard album, they, they turned up the notch even more on the next one, Infest the Rat's Nest. It's kind of what it, one of the things I like about this band. They, they seem to always have a trick up their sleeve. And this album um, was just kind of a rip-your-face-off uh, thrash album. It's a good like soundtrack for the fourth turning, is, is kind of what I call it, because they deal with a lot darker um, material than even what was on Murder of the Universe. Because that was kind of like these fictional beasts, altered beasts they had uh, mentioned in a few of them, a few of the songs. But on Infest the Rat's Nest, it, it hits a little closer to home because it's all about how humans have completely destroyed the earth. The seas are boiling, uh, sea levels have come up, and you know it's earth is totally inhabitable. And there is a group of ultra-rich um, people that decide to colonize Mars. So that one is is definitely something to check out as well. And I love their uh, videos that they have for for these things. They've progressively gotten uh, the production value has gotten better, but some of the earlier videos are some of my favorite. I mean, they almost seem like an Ari Aster that Ari Aster film, uh, uh, Midsommar. Some of them. So it's it's super cool. Cloaks, you know, lots of makeup. Um, if you know, it, it really um, adds a lot to the experience when you take in the videos as well. And um, and then we got their, what a lot of people consider their masterpiece. It's a Polygonal Wonderland. And this one starts off with a track called The Crumbling Castle. And that's worth mentioning because the castle metaphor recurs a lot in their in their music and i think what they're getting at there is the empire of humanity is the castle and it is always in turmoil or crumbling or in under siege uh, you don't want to be in the castle and in this in this album where it opens up where the castle is is crumbling this album feels like a epic film like something like Stanley Kubrick would have directed it uh after the castle crumbles and this it's because the sea levels are rising they um a group of travelers sages uh travel to a a continent that was never seen before called Polygona Wonderland where they come in contact with Hantyumi again and um he occurs there and it's just a wonderfully done like just soundscape and it incorporates woodwind instruments and psych rock even uh, some of the metal that we talked about before i mean their repertoire is so vast it's uh, it's really cool to behold especially if you're uh, a former band nerd if uh, if you like music at all on that level like technically this this band is something you want to check out and they're easy to binge on because they have these palate cleansers in between those intense metal albums where 
some of them it is just downright whimsical. You know, they've got an album called Fishing for Fishies, which is all about some of those environmental concerns in the harder albums, but it's done with acoustic instruments and very lighthearted way. Um, and then we got Butterfly, Butterfly 3000, which is a synth pop album. And then I, I can't not mention the Paper Mache Dream Balloon, which is a, an acoustic psych rock album. Flutes, clarinets, all kinds of wonderful ear candy. And they have two releases this year. You know, one is kind of more of a motorhead sound, uh, like, uh, but it's all about fossil fuel consumption. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's wonderful. And then the latest is the Silver Chord, which just is a throwback to the, the 90s electronica sound of like Chemical Brothers. That one was just released today. And what's worth mentioning is that these albums are not a gimmick. You know, I, I think the varied styles you hear are a result of them being phenomenal musicians, but also having their own label. So they, they have total artistic freedom. They can just basically do whatever they want. And they are aware that these, some of these songs and even albums are uh, kind of over the top. But what's cool is that it's not done in a joking way. Like they're totally sincere about it. I mean, all you have to do is watch a few live clips and you can just see how much fun that these guys are having. And it's, it's contagious. I can't wait to see them live. And I have Taylor Swift to thank for all this. So maybe I'm a surrogate Swifty now. Who knows? Check the show notes if you want to start your journey through the Gizverse. I've got some great ways that'll sort of lead you down the path and advise you on which album to choose. Um, you can find all of my backlog episodes at thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. If you want to reach out to me, you can uh, just make a comment if you're watching the video. And if you uh, are, watch are listening on the podcast, you can send me an old school email at thecoffeebuzzpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time.